0: And welcome back to the Damn Podcast. I'm your host Carter Baines, and joining me, as always, is BeaverBlitz.com publisher Angie Machado. Angie, uh, what do you think of that new intro? We uh, we we're like we're big time now.
1: That is awesome, Carter. I love it, and I love the screen. It all looks good. We're we're taking it to a different le- level.
0: I'm hoping, you know, obviously I don't have YouTube pulled up, so I can't uh, I can't tell what people are seeing. I can only see the you know behind the scenes kind of stuff. Um, hopefully everything looks good on their end. Uh, if you're watching us live on YouTube, you can comment and it'll show up on our end. Um, we're going to, we're using a different software. As you can tell, we're not on zoom anymore. So, um, we were a few minutes, a few minutes delayed in getting on today because,
1: uh, Go ahead Andy, and say, yeah, go ahead and tell. I, I I'm not
0: going to not gonna lie. We're, we're going to keep it brutally honest here with the listeners. <laughs> Angie's volume was down. She uh she she, couldn't hear, she couldn't hear me, and I said, "Angie, this is going to be a stupid question, but is your volume up? Because I can hear you just fine." She goes, "No, it's not a stupid question."
1: Her volume was <laughs> off,
0: so that's uh that's why there was a, a two minute delay in us hitting our our live scheduled time. But if you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud, um, obviously things went off. Uh, without a problem. So
1: I just checked and we are live over on YouTube too.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, with that being said, let's hop into this week's episode of The Damn Podcast. Uh, It's an exciting one. We are previewing the Pac-12 baseball tournament, the inaugural Pac-12 baseball tournament, which is set to get underway this week in Scottsdale, Arizona. I will be there covering the action for Beaver Blitz. Uh, Angie will be watching from her house and I'm sure she'll be active in the lodge Absolutely. At Blitz. and uh, we're going to have a fun week of coverage. Um, but in other baseball news, Angie, I don't, I don't know how much MLB you watch, uh, but I'm sure you, you did not miss the big news that uh, that unfolded this weekend that had some Oregon state implications.
1: No, it had Sherwood implications to Carter, which uh, you and I both there um, are from, from Sherwood. So Adley Rutchman getting that call up and that video. So I was up bright and early. We had to leave the house yesterday, Saturday morning at 6.15 AM, as Jack had a baseball tournament in Banks, Oregon, um, bright and early. I'm in the car on the way. And I see that call up the video where Adley is in the, in his manager's office in AAA. And I, I'm not going to let, I did not cry, but I, there was a little lump in my throat of proudness there. Um, we had already dropped Jack off. So when I came back, I had to show the kids and, if you could have seen the little glimmer in these 14, 15, fourteen year old eyes, it was they all just they were warming up and they came over, and like, what what Hadley And they they watched it. And then to watch that moment where he actually was behind the plate. I don't know if you saw that, Carter. Um, talked to the umpire and he he really soaked in that moment of the crowd cheering. And it looks like he choked up a little bit, maybe a little biting at the lower lip. And and then, dude, not wasting time with the stand-up triple. I mean, what? Yeah. Proud is an understatement.
0: Not a bad debut for somebody who is tabbed as the number one prospect in baseball right now. Um, obviously he's on track to lose that prospect status pretty quick uh, as he, you know, continues to to work his way through his very, very young major league career. But uh, Adley Rutschman, former Golden Spikes winner at Oregon state, former standout at Sherwood high school. Um, a, a great representative for, for the city that you and I, you know, live in and, and the university we've been affiliated with for years. Um, really so, cool to see Adley, Adley go out there and, and kind what of, do you think of steal the show right away.
1: what do you think of the, my mom, my 72 year old mom actually tweeted, I texted her the video cause she's not on, tw- on Twitter. And, um, she said, I love it. And he's still adorable, but he needs to cut his hair. That is, that is the world according to a 72 year old grandma. What
0: a, a, a little different like look. It. Yeah, it's A little different look, a little different look than, uh, than what we got used to during his, his standout days at Oregon State, that's for sure. But yeah. uh, Baltimore, lucky to have him. Uh, I know that city, that fan base is super fired up for him to finally get the call. Um, it had been a couple of long years. Obviously, this year he had the injury in the preseason um, and then finally worked his way up through the rehab assignment and eventually got the call uh, this weekend, Saturday morning, getting the call up to the major leagues. So with that being said, I think, uh, Angie, we should, we should have a toast to Adley. Cheers, I know, Adley. I don't Cheers. know what uh, if, if you're going with a, a local, a local brewery or a winery or who you're, who you're you going to promote I, today, but I'll let you go first.
1: I, I didn't, I actually am drinking water right now, but I had a little went to a local winery yesterday for a pickup party. So, um, and I'll give them a shout out JK carrier over on a uh, parrot mountain. One of my absolute favorites. They killed it with their with their uh, pickup party, had great food from Renegade Food Truck. And yeah, it's my favorite. They have some really good wines. But tonight I'm drinking water just because it's a Sunday night.
0: Hey, the drink of champions right there. Angie Machado right. drinking water tonight on this <laughs> Sunday night. I'm gonna break out the uh, the mango cart from Golden Road Ooh. Brewing in Los Angeles. It's uh, it's one of my new favorites. Actually discovered it at Claude Felter's in Corvallis a couple of weeks ago, and said I need to find it. Found it at Trader Joe's, got a six pack. So,
1: so what uh, is it? Is it a cam- hard kombucha? Is it a
0: no? It's a uh, it's beer? actually it's it's a wheat ale, um, okay. but it's it's brewed with mango, so it's it's got a little it's got some fruity notes to it.
1: Okay, okay.
0: But um, with that being said, I will crack hey, this open cheers. as we
1: cheers give a little
0: toast to Adley Rutschman making his way to the major leagues.
1: I, I and, should run and open a bottle, but we're live, so I can't open a bottle of wine right now. And nobody's home. Right. So cheers right. to my, with my water.
0: With that being said, we're going to preview the show here real quick and then get right into things. Uh, Oregon State softball did something that it's only done one other time in program history. We're going to jump right into that in just a second. Uh, and then the majority of today's show, uh, we're going to spend talking about baseball. Obviously, um, you know, in, in the middle of a, a an incredible season. Couple losses down the stretch, um, but but they're gearing up for the postseason. So we're going to recap the regular season, talk Pac twelve baseball tournament, um, and see you know what how far we think this team could could make it in the postseason. But uh, Angie, softball, not something that that you and I cover super in depth. Not something that I'll be honest that I watch very often. Um, but when Oregon State makes the postseason in any sport, I'm I'm tuned in. And the last couple of days, watching this Oregon State softball team um, go what three and one, four and one in the yeah. Knoxville regional, and and to defeat number eleven Tennessee, the host team there, and to beat them twice today on their home turf, uh, super impressive. Oregon State softball heading to the super regionals for the second time in school history. Andrew? huge.
1: I, I can't even. Um, put into words how big that is for Oregon State. Um, and just as a rival note, the Ducks did not move on to the Super Regionals. So that is big too, because Oregon is, has been kind of a bigger softball school the past decade or so. Sure. So Oregon State, you know, for so many years, they struggled at softball. And um, I know with Laura Berg, the addition of Laura Berg, there's been some high hopes and um, they they got over the hump today and they're playing Stanford, which they beat. They beat Stanford a couple times a season. So um, you know softball's a funny funny game. I grew up playing it. Um, it's so much pitching, pitching and bats. So um, I think Oregon State is showing that they're kind of waking up and and coming alive at the right time.
0: You mentioned pitching and 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 frankly bats too. One thing with with softball that always amazes me is obviously the you know the the wear and tear on your arm in in baseball as a pitcher is unlike a lot of things that you see in sports. But in softball, I mean, you can have a pitcher go out there and, and throw 100 pitches and come back and do the same thing the next day and then hit a home run on the other side of the field. Um, what Mariah Mazan has done this regional, hitting the home runs to, to beat Tennessee, um, you know, holding Tennessee hitless for, you know, four or five innings at a time, um, that has been the, the performance to me that has been the most impressive to watch. Uh, like I said, you know, I, I, I'm not as tuned in with softball as I I think some other Oregon state fans might be just by nature of, you know, in the springtime, I've got spring football, I've got baseball. Um, I just don't have the bandwidth, but this team from what I have seen over, you know, this limited sample size is, is really fun to watch. Um, And and they seem to have the talent on both sides of the ball to maybe go down to Stanford and, and punch their ticket to the women's college world series.
1: I I think the sky's the limit right now. I mean, if, I, the Pac-12 is such a hard league in general, um, top to bottom in, in softball. So they've already had a tough season playing some really top opponents, but same with the SEC. So to go out there and to, like I said, drop to the loser's bracket by losing to Tennessee yesterday and then come back and beat them twice at their, at their home field, huge. So they have to be feeling pretty good now about coming home and facing a team they've faced several times this season. And, and you know, they, they do consistently just being in conference.
0: Yeah, so Stanford, who they match up with, obviously that's a Pac-12 uh, opponent. Pretty standard for the NCAA to pair Pac-12 teams up against each other in the mm-hmm. Supers to limit the amount of Pac-12 teams in the College World Series on the men's and women's side. It's a whole conspiracy. If you need a refresher on it, it'll come up in about a week when uh, yeah. when the men's tournament is, you know, when, when the bracket's revealed, uh, there will be people saying, hey, why are there so many West Coast teams playing each other this early in the tournament? It happens every year. Um, but yes, Oregon State and Stanford will meet in the Super Regionals on the softball side of things. So they're both three seeds. Oregon State obviously comes out of the Knoxville Regional beating Tennessee. But then Stanford uh, took care of business in Tuscaloosa, taking down Alabama, which I believe is the first, first time Alabama t- has not reached the Super Regionals in 17 years.
1: Yes, 2005. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. Uh, that's, that's an impressive streak to break if you're Stanford. So yeah, yeah. by, by nature of both of those squads being three seeds um, hosting, I, I, I don't know the, how the hosting, you know, the, the process goes to figure out who hosts in that situation. But what I have seen is uh, Stanford softball Twitter account has said that the series is going to be played in California. Um, yeah.
1: That's because I believe Stanford was a higher seed to begin with. All right. It, in the overall rankings, so I think that's how it works. But okay. don't quote me on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, there there are so many there's so many nuances to to yeah. baseball and softball when you get to the the postseason. The the way that those brackets are set up, um, it's not really like anything you see in in any other sport at any no. other level with you know regional super regionals and then double elimination and everything. It it complicates things. But um, we we definitely wanted to make sure and and touch on softball success at the top of the show because. As we're recording here at six fifteen PM on a Sunday, uh, that just unfolded about an hour and a half ago. So it's it's top of mind. I know a lot of Oregon State fans are, um, you know, super thrilled about it, super excited, uh, super proud. Of course, to to see the softball team come out and and do something that it's only done one other time in program history. But we want to switch sides to baseball here. That's the the uh, the main topic of today's show as we gear up for this Pac twelve tournament. Uh, in what three days now?
1: Three days, yeah. Coming when do you, you leave Tuesday?
0: I'm heading out Tuesday afternoon. I'll fly out okay. of Eugene, uh, get down to Phoenix at about 11:30 p.m. on Tuesday, and then Oregon State will play at 4:45 on Wednesday. So insane. I'll have a little bit of time to get settled down there, get accustomed to the heat. It's going to be 102 degrees on Wednesday. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be an experience for sure. But Angie, before we talk Pac-12 tournament. Uh, let's recap the regular season real quick. So, Oregon State closes the regular season at forty-one and thirteen overall, twenty and ten in the Pac-12, which puts them at second in the final conference standings. Um, Angie, going into the year, we didn't make we didn't make any season predictions on this podcast, but I, I don't know if you, uh, behind the scenes, had an idea of how the season was gonna gonna unfold. But if if I told you that Oregon State would have another 41 season and finish in the top four of the conference, obviously they they finished second. Um, how, how pleased would you be given what your expectations were preseason?
1: I, I, I think that's fair. I think, um, I think we both had high expectations going into the season. Um, you know, they've had some bumps along the road, What you know, especially like losing Jake Fennings right out the you know gate there. Um, but I think I think that was a I, I think that it was a downer the past two you know series Arizona and UCLA and I guess maybe I should take credit because I have not watched a lot of this team I followed it I followed your threads in the lodge all season and I actually watched the last two series like every game and then they lose so I'm I'm a little superstitious in that so now so I'm like I, I don't like, think I should turn on the TV anymore when the Beavers are playing
0: you're the bad luck charm is what you're telling me
1: I I don't want to be but dang I was. That was not fun. And like I said, Jack was watching. He's trying to get out of a batting slump himself. He's been watching these guys, and they they weren't hitting either.
0: Well, Angie, I don't know if your your bad luck mojo was selective (laughs) at all, but uh, Oregon State lost to everyone in the top five of the final Pac-12 standings except for Oregon as as far as series are concerned. Obviously, they they salvaged, uh, you know, most of those series, but they drop series to Stanford, who is your regular season Pac-12 champion. They drop a series to UCLA this past weekend. And then obviously last week uh, went down to high Corbett field and lost to Arizona in the middle of all that. They sweep an Oregon team that goes into the Pac-12 tournament, number four in the conference. And obviously has a very strong RPI will be in the postseason, um, So that's an impressive series win, but those other three, uh, Angie, how much does it concern you as we get into the postseason? And you know, obviously, the level of competition rises. Everybody's good. Everybody's finishing yeah. in the top half of their conferences. Um, as as Oregon State gets ready to face some of this tougher competition, are you nervous at all? Are you concerned given what the Beavers did against some of the better teams in the Pac-12?
1: You know, I'm not. I mean, watching watching Arizona, especially, I think they're really good. I, I think their RPI maybe doesn't show it, but I think. when I walked away from that Arizona series thinking they were way better than maybe what their record and what their RPI showed Um, UCLA as well. But I I think this is going to be a big test for, for Mitch Canham and can he get these guys back in the right frame of mind? And I think he can, I, I, I think this is a big test, but I think this is where um, these coaches and managers earn, earn their money is, is by getting these, these guys back, their heads, right, getting them back focused um, I don't want to say serious because we know that they're taking every series seriously, but um, just kind of buckling down and, and getting back to the basics and, and figuring some things out. So what about you, Carter? I mean, do you, does it worry you that they struggled down the stretch?
0: Well, I, I think to your point, you know, we saw some of that bounce back ability yesterday on on Saturday yeah. as, as yeah. Oregon State came back and uh, kind of blew UCLA out of the water, winning that game 9-3, uh, to to salvage the series after a couple of very close games, you know mm-hmm. it's not like Oregon State was getting boat raced by UCLA yeah, or anything. Yeah. I mean these these were tight games. Um, Oregon State was one big hit away from winning both of them, mm-hmm. um, just couldn't get it done. So I, I think you saw some resilience from the team yesterday. Um, the offense in particular really got it going again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the changes that Mitch Canna made to the lineup this weekend after after game one, I believe going into game two. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw that we saw that really play out in a big way with uh, Wade Meckler being dropped down to third in the lineup. He had he had hit in the leadoff spot all year, mm-hmm. goes down to third. Travis Bazana takes the leadoff role. Um, you know, with that comes some shifting in the middle of that uh, in, in that mix too. Garrett Forrester hops up to the two hole. And then Friday night, game two, you see Wilson Weber come in for his first collegiate baseball appearance at designated hitter. He goes 0 for 2 with a strikeout. Um but I think that just goes to show like how desperate Oregon state was for production in the bottom half of its lineup. Um, you know, you, you look at the the six, seven, eight, nine guys, and you've got Kyle Dernetti who's right at the Mendoza line. Uh, Matthew Gretler is below it. Uh, Greg Fuchs has, you know, had, had some, mm-hmm. had some streaks, but you know, the consistency isn't always there for him. Yeah. Uh, Mason Guerra, I, I don't want to say he's a liability defensively, but he's certainly not your best option at third base. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's the only one who's been hitting. So, um, going forward, I I know I'm I'm tangenting here, but um, going forward, I would I would like to see Mason Guerra at designated hitter. Yeah, I was gonna say, so, would you put him at
1: DH because Gretler hasn't been hitting great, right. but he is such a a Golden Glove out there at, at at and a good leader in the infield.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think for defensive purposes, you can sacrifice one guy in your lineup offensively. Um, the, the problem is. Too many times this year, Oregon State's had to sacrifice two or three guys because the entire left side of the infield, stellar defensively, but they just haven't found anybody who's been able to hit the ball with cons- consistency. And going back to, to our point about, you know, struggling against top competition, um, that's really where you see the the hole in the lineup come to play. Um, you know, having having only one half of your lineup come through for you against, a Stanford who's a top five team right now against UCLA who's been in the top 25 all year against Arizona um, who knows how to play in that ballpark at, at, at high Corbett field and um, is is going to make you pay for any mistake or any lack of production. Um, the fact that they, you know, have struggled in, in, in those spots. Um, I, I think that's where you're seeing some of the struggles come from uh, against that better competition.
1: Do you think the heat is going to, going to bother, some of the, you know Oregon State, Oregon, Stanford um, down in in Tempe this week or Scottsdale.
0: You'd hope not, but I mean, let's let's be honest with ourselves. Like it's going to be 102 degrees at first pitch at 4:45 p.m. on Wednesday when Oregon State uh, plays Washington in, in, in the first round of this tournament. Obviously, we're, we're going to talk more tournament here in a few yeah. minutes, but but to your point about the weather, Oregon State just played down in Tucson a week ago.
1: Obviously and it was over lost, 100. There, lost two out of as three. As
0: well. Lost two out of three in in the middle of the day and in, in, in weather that's very comparable to what we're going to be seeing in Scottsdale. Scottsdale Stadium plays more like a major league park than you know High Corbett Field um, with you know wonky dimensions, thin air, and everything. Um, and I concrete think,
1: infield.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're going to see more, more true, more true to life baseball if, if that's even you know if if that's even a thing. Um, in Scottsdale, than you might see in Tucson. So, as as far as you know, the immediate effects it has on the game, I don't think it's going to be as much of a as as much of an issue as it might be, um, you know, if you're playing on campus at Arizona. Yeah. Um, but just you know, the sheer fact that you're playing outside under the beating sunlight, 102 degrees, um, that's that's going to take a toll on you. And and I think that's where it becomes important to win your first two games to get a day off. Yeah. The way the way that this schedule lines up. Uh, in, in Scottsdale is if you win your first two games, you do not play on Friday. And I, I think that's going to be big for, for teams to recharge. But um, yeah, Angie, if if you want to give any more thoughts uh, on the regular season before we dive into to, into some stats, uh, throw it at me because I've got a whole bunch of stats to run through here. No, listen, I mean,
1: like I said, I, I, walked away, I walked away after watching, especially the Arizona series, even with the losses. Um, really impressed. Even top to bottom in the order, I know they struggled a little bit. But, um, you know, they have guys that can get hits. They might not be consistent, but um, I mean, this is a team I think that can go to Omaha. Um, but like I said earlier about softball being kind of a funny game, so is baseball. And, and we've seen it time and time again that, um, you know, sometimes just opportune hits are all you need for the better team to go down if the other team is getting just happens to fall in a hole or, it um, you know, just that timing of a hit um, can make such a difference in, in what, what happens.
0: So. Yeah. But before we get into stats and, and individual standouts, which is what we're going to touch on next, you mentioned Omaha and, you know, any, anytime you mention Omaha, I, I think of what you have to do to get there. And yeah. for Oregon state, you know, if we're being honest, the PAC 12 tournament doesn't really mean much. Oregon yeah. state's in the field going to host a regional, you know, you could argue based on the way they've closed the regular season, they might need to win a game or two to lock up a top eight seed and host in the Supers if they're able to reach that point. Um, But, but Angie, I want your, your thought on this. Oregon state closing the regular season, losing two of three to UCLA. Um, I I don't know what their ranking is going to be come tomorrow afternoon morning. You know um, when all of those are released, I don't know what their RPI is going to look like when um, this weekend is, is completely done nationally on, on the college baseball scene. But if Oregon state's right there at six, five, six, do you think they need to win a game or two in Scottsdale to lock up a top eight seed? Or do you think they've done enough? Is, is their strength of schedule good enough to, to, uh, to override some of the losses they've had recently?
1: I would like to say it is, but I don't think it, I think they need to win a game or two. And okay. I'm going to be one of those people that right now. So if Oregon state was maybe a four or five, fourth or fifth in the pac 12, I would love the tournament. And I think this is the greatest thing in the world, but I'm not a fan of a Pac-12 baseball tournament for the reason that Oregon State, if it was in it right now today, they would be their their top, you know, their top eight. They're hosting, um, no questions asked, and and I think you know here's a team that everyone's gunning for. Every, they are going to get everyone's best game. They're going to get everyone's best best shot. So um, it just it puts that target on your back, and at, at some level, as a competitor, you want that. You want everyone's best, but um, I think they need to win one or two in, in Scottsdale to, to keep that, especially with the way they finished. If, if they had finished winning the last two series, maybe dropping a game each, I think they're fine. But I think losing two series, I think that's, even though they were good opponents, I, I think that's a big, uh, some, you know, something that the the committee will look at. And again, then you're looking at human, you know, the committee who <laughs> ever since, uh, the, the, that coach Lindsay at Maggs. Washington. I know. I was going to say that the coach that will not be named. Um, <laughs>
0: well, we're going to have to name him here in a couple minutes when we preview who we're going to play in okay. round one. So,
1: Lindsey Meggs, when he did us wrong back in the day, um, I don't trust trust any of them. But I was going to keep it. I didn't want to, you know, set JP off, <laughs> you know. So, but, uh, yeah, Lindsey Meggs when he. So I don't trust anything when human human involvement is is in play. There's yeah,
0: something. I'll I'll be the contrarian here and say I think Oregon State's done enough to to get a top eight seed, regardless of what happens in Scottsdale. I just think strength of schedule wise, you know, they're right up there. As you know, I, I haven't checked the, the the number this weekend, but obviously playing a number twenty three UCLA team only helps. Yeah. Um, and before that, Oregon State was you know pretty much all year a, a top five team in terms of strength of schedule. Um, I, I think that is enough. I think finishing second in the PAC 12 is a testament to your ability to win games when it matters most. Um, obviously, you know, they dropped two series down the stretch, but they didn't get swept, you know, sure. like sure. They, they did still beat good teams. Um, they just didn't do it often enough to take those series. But I, I think, I think we'll see Oregon state um, hosting all the way to Omaha. if, you know they continue to win the in the yes. postseason, of course. Yes, but, we're
1: uh, we're not going to do any jinxes here. Yeah,
0: of course not. Uh, before we talk more Pac-12 baseball tournament, I want to talk about some stats and individual standouts from the regular season. So, Angie, this is going to be a lot of me talking here. Um That's I'm going to go down the list of uh, these. So, before we hopped on here, I I went to the NCAA baseball stats database. I went to the Pac-12 stats database, and I pulled. Um, from all of the available statistics that they measure, nationally, offensively, and defensively, the categories that Oregon State ranked in the top 50 of all college baseball programs in Division I. Okay. And then in okay. the Pac-12, I pulled all of the stats, offensively, defensively, that they rank in the top three.
1: Okay, so there are going to run be through, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to run through all
0: of those. We'll stop midway through and and kind of get your thoughts on, on some of these numbers. But let's get started here nationally. These are the statistics that Oregon State ranked in the top 50 in all of college baseball on the offensive side. They ranked fifth in walks drawn, 21st in triples, 24th in on-base percentage, 27th in doubles, 44th in runs scored. Defensively, and this is where I, you know, you're going to hear a lot more numbers here uh, with, with the pitching staff that Oregon State's had and, and the defense that it's fielded. Oregon State was the number one team in college baseball and fielding percentage, and that really remained true all year, pretty it was much. was all year, yeah. Um, they were also second in walks per nine, third in strikeout-to-walk ratio, fourth in whip. You're sensing a trend there. Yeah. Tied for eighth in shutouts, 10th in ERA, tied for 12th in hit-by-pitches allowed, 25th in hits allowed per nine, and 48th in K per nine. So... Angie uh, the trend that i point to there is you see walks per 9 you see strikeout to walk ratio and then you see whip which is obviously walks and hits per innings the common denominator there is obviously Oregon state's ability to to command the strike zone limit walks limit free passes uh, and and obviously that you know that shows up in the hit by pitch as well so um Angie the the pitcher's ability to to limit free passes how big has that it's been Huge
1: That is huge i mean if you could keep them, you know, make them earn anytime, you know, their spots on, on um, base, and then let you let them hit. I mean, that's what I keep telling my son when he bat or when he when he pitches. I'm like, let him hit and let your defense take care of it. You know, that's that's what you need to do. So, um, I'm super impressed with the with the, the pitching staff.
0: And and that's an area too. The free passes that Mitch Canham was absolutely furious with last year. Yeah, you know, he he okay, preached well, he preached we have to limit free passes and. Um, I, I think, uh, I think the pitchers took that to heart. this awesome. They did.
1: So, but I, I'm going to go off on a tangent now too, because this has All been right. a conversation in the lodge. What are your thoughts then on Rich Dorman? Because I know last year he took a lot of heat in the lodge. What are your thoughts this year?
0: I've been impressed. I, I think what he's been able to do in, in turning the bullpen's success around, um, after what you saw in the first, I don't know, maybe month of the season, month and a half, Um, think about how many times Oregon state relied on its offense to win games. You know, they, there were times, think back to the, the midweek series against Nevada when they had to score 11, 13 runs, uh, to win those games. Think about, oh man, who else? I mean, Portland earlier in the year, I want to say it was high scoring. I I can't remember off the top of my head, but the the point being Oregon state's bullpen cost the Beavers some early season games, I think in non-conference play. Um, you know, the, the back end of the bullpen in particular, it took a while before Ryan Brown emerged as the saves leader. Um, I, I think that was one of the main weaknesses of this team and rich Dorman to his credit pinpointed the guys that he wanted to, to rely on Mm -hmm. developed them. Mitchell Verberg, you know, dramatically improved across the, the, the stretch of the season. Um, and, you know, and just kind of rode with the hot hand and, and it worked out. Um, Oregon State's pitching staff obviously is is one of the best in in, in the nation because of it. So um, I, I think Rich Dorman gets credit for, for developing the starters and then, of course, um, turning things around in the bullpen. Do
1: you think he's pulling guys too quick or is too slow to pull guys?
0: I feel like I kind of have to – I kind of just have to leave that up to him. Like, yeah. you know, to be honest, like Oregon State fans – uh, you know love to refer to Nate Yeski as too late Nate yeah but then you know Rich Dorman was pulling guys early last year and, and the year before um and and you know they're complaining about that so yeah you can't have is that, have a is that.
1: that it, it's fan fan's going to fan
0: yeah exactly all right let's talk some Pac-12 so. stats here so Oregon State finishes in the top 3 of the Pac-12 in the following offensive categories they rank first in walks first in stolen bases First in on base percentage, first in hits into double plays, they were second in sacrifice hits and runs scored, as well as RBI and triples, and they were third in doubles. So the offensive numbers I know didn't really show up in the national rankings, but uh, as as far as the Pac-12 context is concerned, Oregon State was right there with the best of them. Okay,
1: that's not good though, right? Hits into double plays,
0: that's bad. No, that's first being the lowest.
1: Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. gotcha right. Okay, right. <laughs> I was like, yes. no. Yeah, no, they were
0: they were hitting into fewer double fewer. Players. Okay, KK, okay, okay. right.
1: gotcha.
0: Yeah. All right. Defensively, Oregon State in the Pac-12 was first in errors, first in fielding percentage. I'm I'm gonna pause myself. That's fewest, fewest errors. Errors.
1: Yeah, I got it. Now I got
0: it. <laughs> first in fewest errors. First in fielding percentage. First in runs allowed. In, in runs allowed, they were also top of the Pac-12 in walks allowed and K per nine, as well as passed balls. They were second in strikeouts. Second in home runs allowed, ERA. Third in hits. Third in hits allowed. Third in assists. Third in runners caught stealing percentage. A Lot pretty of impressive. numbers there. Tripped up over a few words because there are so many stat categories that I'm listing. Um, the point being, Oregon State's defense, pitching staff, easily the best in the Pac-12 yeah. and one of the best in the country.
1: Yes, I agree. That's pretty impressive.
0: All right, individual standouts. Few more stats and then some opinion things here uh, with with some of these individuals. So Jacob Melton, outfielder, obviously uh, finished first in the Pac-12 in RBI. He is, I believe, second. No, fourth all time in a single season at Oregon State. Um, he's also fourth in a single season in home runs at Oregon State. Uh, he was fifth in home runs this year in the Pac-12. Justin Boyd finished first in the Pac-12 in stolen bases. Cooper Jerpey led the way in wins and strikeouts and was second in ERA. Ryan Brown was in a three-way tie for the Pac-12 lead in saves. And there are quite a few other players who were not in the top one or two that don't show up on that you know first page of the, the Pac-12 stats when you pull it up. But um, Angie, there's there's quite a few Pac-12 leaders on this Oregon yeah, State team. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and I'll, I'll just throw it in. Like, I mean, Justin Boyd watching the Arizona series – and after he got hit in the hand in game one, Oregon State struggled that, I mean, cause he, yeah. he, luckily he's not out for, for a. Yeah. he missed, a he time, missed the
0: next two games. He missed, he missed the, the remainder of the Arizona series. And,
1: and I would say that that hurt Oregon State a lot, mm-hmm. not having him in the lineup.
0: And then he comes back against UCLA and immediately is charged with an error in right field that allows UCLA to score the first run of the series in the top of the first inning. Uh, second batter that, that came to the plate uh, drove in a run. So, it was kind of an inauspicious start to to Boyd's return, but ever mm-hmm. since then, he's really dialed it in, and and you're seeing the Justin Boyd that you saw for the first what three three and a half months yeah. of the season. Yeah, um, obviously huge to get him back. Major break, great luck for Oregon State that no bones in his hand were broken. Um, I, I don't know if if you know how many bones are in your hand, but it's a lot more than than you can count with said hand. So yes, yes. Um, yeah, a great break for, for Oregon State to get Boyd back. Uh, Cooper Jerpy and Jacob Melton were actually named to a couple of midseason watch lists for some National Player of the Year awards. There's obviously the, the Golden Spikes Award and then the Dick Hauser Trophy, um, the latter of which named both of them semifinalists, nice. I believe. So, uh, you know, you've, you've got a pitcher and an outfielder, obviously one guy on, on both sides of the ball there, uh, in the running for National Player of the Year, which is pretty good company.
1: Yeah. And and I'm going to go on and the guy that you didn't mention very much, true freshman, Travis Bazana. Yep. I, I, was, I was just about greatness to ask there, I think. So, um, you know, like I said true freshman, but actually, I mean, there were quite a few true freshmen playing this year or freshmen playing, but yep. Travis Bazana, true freshman. Um, I can't speak highly enough of what I saw from him and, and the poise that he showed. Um, and a, and how about
0: how about how about this, Angie, the the fact that he got into a bit of a slump in mid-April to mid-May um, and then got right in Arizona and and continued that success into yeah. the UCLA series, um, getting him back, you know, from from whatever it was that he was dealing with, whether he was nursing an injury and, and you know, battling through it mm-hmm. or if it was a mental thing or if it was just a situation of, hey, this is a really long season. He's a freshman. He's never done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what the situation was there, but he went almost a month with only like two RBI to yeah, his name yeah. um, after being one of the Pac-12 leaders for the first like two months of the year. So to get him back to the level that he's playing at right now, absolutely massive, very similar to, uh, you know, getting Justin Boyd back in the lineup. I think having those two guys at full strength and and hopefully, um, you know, playing as well as they have this season is is going to do wonders for Oregon State in the postseason. But Angie, is there anybody else that we haven't talked about on the stat leader boards that has stood out to you? I've got a list of names here that I was going to say I that, highlight. I
1: mean, yeah, you could go through you've been at every game. I mean, I could name guys, but you'll you'll name them. I know.
0: Okay. So we so we just if you touched miss on anybody, and, I'll let you know. Yeah, we just touched on Boyd and Bazanna, but here are a couple of names that have really stood out to me that uh you know aren't necessarily leading the the nation or the Pac 12 in any categories, but have been absolutely instrumental in Oregon State success this year. Those names include Wade Meckler and Garrett Forrester on the offensive side. And then defensively, uh, you know, you turn to the pitching staff. Jacob Kamatz, what he's done as a true freshman to step in as a Saturday starter. And he's looked like one of the better pitchers in the conference as a true freshman. Just incredible stuff. Mitchell Verberg, we talked about a couple of minutes ago uh, in the bullpen to turn things around after a really, really rocky start. A lot of blown saves. Um, I, I think the work that he put in with Rich Dorman, it, it's really starting to show mm-hmm. uh, over the, over this last month. Ben Ferrer, also out of the bullpen. Absolute nails every time his number's called. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's a guy who in the postseason is going to have a big role as a long reliever. Um, and then Jaron Hunter, who we haven't seen in two weeks. I expect to see in Arizona. And I'm curious. I, I, I really, I'm intrigued where Oregon State's going to take this. Because if you win the Pac-12 tournament, you have to win four games. That's you know, if, if you avoid yeah. a lot if you avoid a loss. Jaron Hunter has to pitch. Do you throw him in game one to give Cooper Jerby a full week of rest? Set up your three biggest games for your weekend starters, or do you save him for a potential elimination game? Do you wait and throw him in the middle of that four-game stretch? I'm really curious to see what they do. Mitch Cannon was non-committal after game three against UCLA when we spoke with him. Um, about the direction they were going to take with the pitching staff. But uh, Jaron Hunter, a, a name that I wanted to highlight there is somebody who hasn't given up a run in three outings.
1: Yeah, that's, and I, I'll just highlight the Ben Ferrar because what I've seen from him has been nails too. Um, I see so this is where, this is what gets interesting to me is, is postseason and, and managing pitchers because that's, that's, you know, the teams that have the pitching are the ones that can move on because yep. we've seen it time and time again. So it's I, key. it's, It is is an interesting, I mean, yeah. Do you pitch a guy that hasn't pitched in two weeks against Washington, which will be the weakest, you know, weakest team there? Or do you, yeah. Or do you go out and try to win that first one regardless? I, I think I might lean toward, you know, trying to rest jerpy, just give him that full week. I
0: agree. I agree.
1: That's how I would, that's how I, what I would say just, especially, I mean, but, but again, Mitch Canham and, and, um, or Mitch Canham and Rich Dorman have the the luxury of being able to see these guys every single day. So they know what, how they're looking, what their mental state's like. Um, but that's kind of what the fun is, is what, what that's going to look like, how Oregon State's going to manage that um, and how, you know, having guys ready to go at a moment's notice. But if it was me right now, not knowing how Jaron Hunter has looked in the pen the past two weeks, I think I throw him against the the Huskies.
0: And mind you, He pitched two really great midweek outings against Pac-12 teams, uh, both times shutting out Oregon on the mound. The second time, uh, the rest of the bullpen finished that shutout. First game, obviously, they still won. Um, I I think what he's proven against Pac-12 competition gives me enough trust uh, to throw him out there in in game one of the Pac-12 tournament, but we're going to have to wait to see uh, what that decision looks like. We're going to talk more Pac-12 baseball tournament here in just a minute, but first... I want to tell you about beaverblitz.com, which is proud to be the leader in Oregon State football and men's basketball recruiting coverage. With access to the most talented and well-connected recruiting analysts in the nation, we're your source for all the latest scholarship offer, official visit, and transfer portal news. Year-round coverage of Oregon State football, men's basketball, baseball, and everything else within the athletic department makes beaverblitz.com the all-inclusive destination for in-depth analysis of all things beaver sports. Join us today with a monthly or annual subscription to gain full access to our VIP articles, team of experts, and message board. Membership also grants the ability to chat with fellow Beaver fans and gain behind-the-scenes intel in the Lodge. You'll get all this and more, including access to all of the team sites across the, the 24-7 Sports Network with your subscription, so join today and keep up on all your favorite teams and your rivals, too. Angie, Pac-12 tournament. We've talked a bunch about it already, but... Uh, let's let's formally introduce this thing because this okay. is the first time I mean, this the, the, time. Time the Pac-12 has done anything like this. So for those who are not familiar with the Pac-12 tournament, the format, whatnot, it is the exact same format as the College World Series. So if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know how the College World Series works. Um, you've got two four-team divisions. They play a double elimination, and then the winner of those four-team brackets uh, play each other in the championship. The difference is is that in Scottsdale the Pac-12 will be holding one single championship game. It's not a two out of 3 series. Things don't reset. You could have a one-loss team against a team who hasn't lost in this tournament and, and you it's only have to be only have to beat them once. Okay. So that's the one difference there. Uh, the winner of this tournament gets the automatic NCAA tournament bid from the Pac-12 conference. Obviously a bit of a a bit of a shakeup from the way things have normally worked where the regular season champion Uh, gets the automatic bid. But Angie, how do you think that changes things? If you are Oregon State, if you're Stanford, if you're UCLA, a team who is constantly at the top of the Pac-12 standings, not having to worry about, you know, am I in the tournament or not? Are you worried that a team like Washington, Cal, ASU might come in and and have a little bit more motivation in the Pac-12 tournament because they're playing for something, you know, they have a chance uh, to get hot at the right time and sneak their way into the NCAA tournament, much like Oregon <coughs> State did basketball, basketball. wise a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that gives some motivation, I think. And I also worry, does it potentially, you know, lessen kind of the motivation for a team like Oregon State, Stanford, um, UCLA? Are they going to be coming in? Like we're, we're in, we're just going to kind of cruise here and see what happens. Um is there, is there motivation? And then, like I said earlier, you're going to have the targets on your back because you're the best.
0: Well, I mean, we sit here and we talk about how, man, like, you know, Oregon state doesn't even really need to show up to the Pac-12 tournament. They're already in, you know, they're probably a host already. Well, I can tell you what Mitch Canham's not telling his guys that. Exactly. I mean,
1: that's, that's, I mean, I personally would want my team looking at this like a warm up too. you know, this, how we're going to play during this tournament is going to dictate kind of how we play in the regionals. And I
0: think if, if if you're Mitch Canham in Oregon State, you know, yeah, you're you're in the tournament, you're probably hosting all the way to Omaha if you keep winning. But like let's be honest, if you want to be successful in the tournament, you're gonna have to get right because you've yeah. lost what four of your four last of five us. games. Yeah. Uh you know, you're recovering from a four-game losing streak after not losing back to back games all year. Obviously, something's not working. You need to figure things out and you have to do it quick this is your opportunity to do it in a low stakes environment um you know you've already up. go oh, for go it ahead.
1: oh no and if i'm mitch cannon and the osu beavers i'm pissed off that i'm not number one right now and stanford overtook me
0: yeah yeah i mean there's motivation right there get them back and and, and win the tournament yeah um they will get a chance if, if both teams win out to play each other in the championship game because uh, they're both in separate divisions, so uh, the way it's split is, um, I I don't have the bracket pulled up. I should, but like
1: one and three and two and
0: one three and two and four four five are on one okay. half. Okay, and then you get two seven three six on the bottom okay. half, which is where Oregon State is. So that's how you could potentially see an Oregon okay. State Stanford rematch in the championship game. All of those games, mind you, will be on the Pac twelve Network, which limits conference exposure at the most important time of the year, except for the championship game, which will air on ESPN two Sunday night at 7 PM. So championship game, you're getting the exposure there, but I I think the fact that, you know, you can turn on ESPN, ESPN plus SEC network, uh, wherever you are in the country and see these SEC, SEC teams battling it out in Alabama, but not the PAC 12. I know the committee has a PAC 12 network, but we talk about this all the time with, with football. Limiting exposure is never a good thing.
1: No. And that's, you know, what the new commissioner has to keep kind of keep pushing. If, if you're going to have these tournaments, you need to get these, um, you know, the ESPNs of the world on, on board. Because like you said, this is Memorial Day weekend. You're going to have people kind of barbecuing, turning on the baseball, and they're going to be seeing SEC. Yep
0: so that being said let's uh let's run through the field the seeding, and then the first round matchups of this inaugural pac 12 baseball tournament so we mentioned it stanford has the number one seed they're your regular season champs they beat oregon state in the standings by a single game uh oregon state you know finishing the season as poorly as it did kind of blew its what three four game lead
1: yeah
0: uh, on on the conference so if you're the beavers you hate to see that but you're glad to have a chance to get stanford back. Behind them, UCLA gets the 3 seed, Oregon the 4, and then in the bottom half of the bracket, uh you get Arizona at 5, California at 6, Washington 7, and then Arizona State under first year head coach Willie Bloomquist in the final spot. So, that means three teams didn't <coughs> make a cut. U- Uh Utah, USC, and who am I missing? Washington State. Washington State. Th- those are the three that are left out. Um, Pac-12, by nature of only having 11 teams in baseball, they can't do a 12-team tournament like SEC does. Um, they had to limit it. I-, I think eight teams is the right number. 12. If you watch the SEC tournament, that thing gets real crazy, real, real quick. Uh, a lot of games, a lot of teams. But uh, those are the three teams that are left out. So, uh, how that shakes out for the first round, obviously, we can't predict what's going to happen beyond that. But um, The first round you see Oregon and Arizona in the four-five game at nine AM Pacific on Wednesday. A very early morning for those teams. I'm curious to see if and how that impacts their play. I don't think it'll be much. I mean it's it's gonna be hot already at nine a.m. They're gonna wake up early anyways, and I would imagine um, you know, the coaches are going to do everything in their power to make sure those guys are getting enough sleep, but, um, yeah, are you going to stop by
1: that game at all? Since you're getting in late the night before,
0: not the 9.00 AM game. No, <laughs> I might I try to, have. yeah, I might try to catch some of the next game, which is number one, Stanford versus number eight, Arizona state first pitch in that game is approximately 45 minutes after the conclusion of game one. So we'll see that'll probably be approaching that four first pitch that Oregon state has, um, Depending on how much of a break there is between games, I, I'll probably try to, to pop into that one. So Oregon State in, in the the, the two-seed spot there gets number seven Washington at 4.45 p.m. Pacific on Wednesday and then rounding it out. This is the time slot that Oregon State will be playing in if it beats Washington. So okay. get ready. Get your get your midday coffee ready because this game, first pitch is 45 minutes after the conclusion of game three, number th- number three UCLA versus number six California, will get started probably in the realm of 8.30 to 9 p.m. Yikes. Yeah, that's late. But for your
1: sake, Carter, I know how you operate. You're liking that later slot over the 9 a.m. slot.
0: Like... Like is a like is a strong word. I <laughs> I'm used to it. I'm used to it now. Yes. But um, yeah, I mean the game wraps up at a reasonable time for me. You know, like eleven thirty or something. But that means I'm you know writing a post game story at one two in the morning. So we'll see. Yeah. I'm I'm obviously hoping Oregon State takes care of business against Washington, but the byproduct of that is a very late night. So yes. brace yourselves for that. Obviously, the, uh, the 445 time slot, Oregon State versus Washington, uh, it's going to be the heat of the day. Sun will be setting towards the end of the game. But uh, for the most part, this game is going to be played under direct sunlight yeah. in the hottest part of the day uh, in, in the Sonoran Desert. So we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a hot one. Angie, I need your predictions. So give me... Let's think. How do we want to approach this? Give me your first round prediction for Oregon State and then give me your two championship teams and then a champion.
1: Okay, I'm going to go Oregon State beats Washington.
0: Okay. Give me a score on that too since oh, we know shoot. that the matchups actually going to happen.
1: I I Oregon State's going to take care of business handily 10 to 1. I'm going I'm going to blow out blow out the first round. Go.
0: George Kuliavkoff on hand watching the Oregon State Beavers beat Washington 10-1 to in 1. the first round of the inaugural Pac-12 baseball tournament. You heard it here first, Angie Machado yes. with the prediction.
1: Yes. And then, final two teams.
0: Keep in mind the, the divisional structure. It has to be a possible. Yeah, team. you
1: know, I you're going to totally disagree with me here, but all right. I, I actually think Oregon State makes it to the finals, and I think they play Arizona.
0: Okay. Because I
1: think Arizona is peaking. Although, Arizona, didn't they lose to Oregon?
0: They like did. Like the 2-3, I believe.
1: 2-3. So, yeah, they looked good. But, again, that was a high court, But I do think Arizona, in the heat, they're used to it. Yeah. I I don't think UCLA is that – I mean, I think they're good. I don't think they're, like, elite. Cal, no. So, yeah, Oregon State in that one. Um, ASU, not good. And, and I would love to see Oregon State-Sanford. Yeah. I, that's what I would love to see. Or – but let's be real. I, I mean, like to say Oregon State, Oregon too. That's because a, that's
0: where I'm going with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I mean, because if you're Oregon State, that's a matchup you know you can win. You've done, you've done it yeah, five times yeah. already. You haven't lost to them. You see Stanford. You've lost two of three to them. Arizona you lost two of three two to them. To three. Arizona State, obviously, I think anybody yeah. would want to see them. Like, no offense to Willie Bloomquist, but like, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it's, that's, it's
0: a struggle turning a program yeah. around in your first year and. To get into the field is impressive enough, so I give him. I mean, I love,
1: I love the potential matchups here, though. Like I said, as if I'm Oregon State, I want to play Oregon or Stanford for two different reasons. Like you said, because you know you can beat Oregon, plus it's your your rival. Your you know, and then Stanford, um, just because they kind of backdoored their way into that number one Mm -hmm. spot because. You basically sucked. So, (laughs) and I say I'm going to be harsh there, but Oregon State sucked the last two series.
0: That's true. All right, so so you've got you've got Oregon State, Arizona in the finals. Who wins it? Oregon State. I'm putting a
1: lot of credit, and I'm not trying to. I'm not being a homer right now because I Mm -hmm. just. So you know, last year I was not quite on the whole Mitch Canham train. Mm -hmm. I, I was I was really skeptical whether he could get these guys the mental. Um, That was where I thought Coach Casey was so good, was the mental part of getting these guys prepared. Um, What I've seen this year without, I mean, take out the last two weeks evidence, but I actually think now this is going to be my bold prediction, kind of like my prediction that um, I made earlier with football. Um, My bold prediction is that Mitch Canham will be at Oregon State a very, very long time and he will surpass, I mean, I think he has the chance to be even better than Pat Casey was.
0: You think he's an Oregon state lifer? Like I do as, as long as he, as long as he wants is, it, is winning and wants it. You think it's, it's, it's his, it's his job. I, I think
1: as, if he keeps yeah. the hunger that I, I I've seen, I, if he keeps the ment like I said, my big worry with him was the whole, did, did he have that mental um, the ability to get the guys mental buy-in and, um, change, you know, when they, when they would struggle, I mean, it's baseball guys go through slumps, they go through, um, and would they be able to do that? What I've seen from him the past, I mean, even turning around and winning that last game against UCLA, getting those guys minds, right. I think it's going to get better from here. I do think he's learning kind of on the fly, but I like, I like the aggressiveness I've seen from him on, you know, base running and, um, I'm putting in, um, Oh gosh, I'm gonna to blank the quarterback from Lake Oswego as Jake a pinch Ducard. hitter, Jake Ducard. Thank you. Um, in that Arizona series, was genius. I mean, he he just they knew he was gonna get hit at the right time. Um, I I do I think. Like I said, I I guess I was not on the Mitch Canham train for the last couple of years, and or or the well, coach Canham, hey. coach Canham. Because remember, I got I got a I kind of got a little. Little scolding one day when I called him Mitch Canham, and then I corrected myself and said Coach, and
0: he kind of Coach Canham. Welcome coach to the Canham. Coach Canham train. Coach Canham we're train. we're, ding, we're ding. glad to have you. Yes. Um. Yeah. So that's that's Angie's prediction. Oregon State wins the inaugural Pac-12 football tournament. What's yours? Tournament. I
1: says I had to go on the record.
0: I have not thought about this. I hadn't until now. Yes. I, I made Let's sure go. to wait until uh, until we went live to make this prediction. So I'm, I'm going to kind of break down the field real quick. I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go very in depth here. So your first matchup is Oregon, Arizona. I think the fact that Oregon just took two of three from them tells you all you need to know about that. I think Oregon stays in the winner's bracket there to play Stanford. Um, that is a matchup I'm really excited to see. I, I think Oregon's better than their number four seed. And I think Stanford, quite frankly, as, as for as well as they've played recently, I think Oregon state's still the better team. Um, so I think you have an overseeded and an underseeded team in that matchup, but I do think Stanford comes out of that. Um, you know, they're hot. They've won 12 in a row. It's their longest winning streak since 1999. David Esker is a guy who knows how to coach in the postseason. Um, and you know, they, they don't have a ton to play for, but I, I do think, you know, a couple of wins wouldn't hurt. Um, in terms of locking up a, a top eight seed, I think they have a little tiny bit more work to do than Oregon State does. Um, so I think Stanford eventually is going to emerge out of that division, but Oregon's going to give them a pretty good run for their money. I, I just don't see Arizona doing enough to get by both of those teams. I, I think, you know, Arizona might have been the product of. A little home field advantage against Oregon State, and then they come up to Oregon and and lose two of three there. You have to ride the hot hand in in college baseball when it comes to the postseason, and and that is Stanford. Um, so Stanford gets gets my vote for uh, for for hot I hat. wanted to say North champion, but the the Division One first division yeah. uh, in in this tournament in the bottom half really interesting between Oregon State and UCLA. They won't play each other until the second round if they both win. Um, and, and then you get a really intriguing, you know, rematch of, of two teams that just went at it this past weekend at Goss. Um, you know, they go down to uh, to an environment that I think will favor Oregon state. I think you'll see more Oregon state fans there. Um, I, I base that on, you know, how many people make the trip down to surprise every winter Um, I I know it's a short trip for UCLA, but I I think Oregon State will dominate the fan bases there outside of Arizona and Arizona State. Um, Obviously, home field advantage didn't do much for the Beavers against UCLA, but I think the way the Beavers played in game three and the fact that they know they probably need to win one game to take any question out of their, you know, top eight seed status, I think they have the motivation, and I think – they might like, I know it's one game, but I think they might have more momentum than UCLA who mind you just got swept by Washington two weeks ago. Um, I, I think Oregon state and Stanford go chalk. I think you see a one, two matchup in the, in the championship game. But if I had to pick a dark horse, I'd say Arizona and UCLA, Um, Oregon, Oregon's right there with Arizona, but the home field advantage, um, I I know I just kind of poo pooed Arizona against Oregon, but you know the home field advantage is worth something. It's a it's a big reason Arizona beat Oregon State. There's going to be all sorts of of U of A fans there. Uh, so those are my two dark horses. But I do think Oregon State and Stanford meet in the championship. And I think, like I said, I got to ride with a hot team. And I, I think I go Stanford yeah. winning winning the inaugural Pac-12 baseball tournament. There you
1: go. Pretty... Hey, are you on the Mitch Canham train?
0: Oh, I have been. Yeah, I I think I I took into account. Man, we're we're really going on a tangent here, but I, I think a, a good way to close out the show is to remind everyone how lucky Oregon State is to have Mitch Canham. This is a guy who skyrocketed through the Mariners organization as a manager. Went from single A to... right. I, I can't remember exactly. Like low A to high A to double A or... It was like short
1: season to yeah. double A or
0: something. I mean, he had a... We got uh, we got a Duke sighting a Duke, in the background, yeah, background. There. Um Yeah, he he was skyrocketing through through that organization. I think he was on track for an MLB managing job in probably the next five years or so. He was probably on track to be a very very young manager somewhere. Um, everybody in those circles has always been very high on him, and obviously if you get the Pat Casey vote of confidence, that's all I need to know as somebody who watched Pat Casey, turn this program around and, and win three championships
1: and, and, and to have someone and see, this is why I think he's a lifer if he chooses to be, because he chose to turn down kind of the pinnacle of your profession mm-hmm. to come back yeah. and, and, a, and to
0: raise yeah. a family here, you know, and he's got two young here. kids. Yeah. Um to your point, I, I think he's here as long as he wants the job and as long as he's winning. And I think both of those things are conducive to him staying here for a very, very long time. So, yes, I have always been on the Mitch Canham train. I remain on said train um, and I will be on it until for whatever reason down the line, let's say the Oregon State baseball program collapses. I don't see it happening, um, but that would be what it takes for me to, to hop off okay. the band. OK,
1: so see, Carter's been there. I It took me a little bit. Like I said, I, I liked him. I just didn't know if, it, if he had it. But I saw some things this past couple weekends. Yeah. He's got it.
0: All right. We have hit the one hour mark. So that is our cue. I want to thank everybody who has watched and listened to us live on YouTube. Um, enjoy, you know, this, this new setup we've got with this I new software it. we're using. Um, we really appreciate everybody who's interacted with us throughout the show. Um, I know we've gotten some comments. I wanted to, hey, you know what? Let's yeah, let's, show off, let's show off this new yeah, let's, feature. Yeah, so, let's show
1: it because I want to see it.
0: So I've got the ability here to throw some YouTube comments onto the screen. So unfortunately, if you're listening to us uh, after the fact, you're not going to see this. But uh, if you're watching on YouTube live or, you know, after the fact, check this out. We're going to throw a comment on here from Shantry Star, who says, 102 degree weather is miserable weather to play baseball. How cool is that look on the screen there?
1: That is so cool. Okay. So there's, the- there's some
0: incentive if, if you over the next, you know, however long we, you know, we're going to use the software probably for the foreseeable future. Um, if you've got something you want to say, say it. And if it's good enough to, you know, to show on screen we're we'll pop it up there. And uh, you know, hopefully when we have a little bit less to talk about, this is a really busy show. Um, we'll get some more interaction with, with those who are commenting along with us but um yeah i'm gonna leave that up up there for uh for the remainder of the show as we close this as we close this out um previewing the week ahead at beaver blitz obviously i'll be down there in scottsdale covering the action um i'm gonna try to get to as many games as possible i know the press box is pretty limited um so i don't know if we'll get to every game
1: and carter uh, got a really cool airbnb by the way so yeah he does need to sit by the pool. Yeah. If if I'm not in
0: the press box, you can probably catch me at my uh, private Airbnb pool.
1: Uh, yeah. Drink yeah. drink so, in hand,
0: writing a, a baseball preview or, or recap.
1: We don't mess around at Beaver Blitz. So see no. if you are listening. See if Carter if Carter ever leaves, you're gonna want to come work for me because mess around.
0: She's already auctioning off my job before I even leave. How about that? Um, you can follow her on Twitter. You can follow her on Twitter if you want more shenanigans like that. <laughs> at Angie Machado one. You can no, but, me. Okay. I'm going
1: to, I, I right. going to say it right now because I Don't want you to say like, for, let you want you to stay forever, but I know that's probably not in the cards.
0: She is Angie so. Machado one on Twitter. I'm at Carter Baines. We thank you for joining us for this PAC 12 baseball tournament preview episode of the damn podcast. And I think the next time we talk, will probably be afterwards to recap it and then talk baseball regionals. So Let's do it. Uh, thanks for, thanks for tuning in live on YouTube. Thanks for listening to us on your favorite podcast app. Right, and we will catch you
1: Wait, wait. after I got one Angie thing. says something. One thing, because I don't want people to think that we're not covering football recruiting because this past weekend has been a big football recruiting weekend. A ton of guys, not a ton, a handful of guys on campus. To the point that Jonathan Smith said in Corvallis when his kid was up here in Sherwood playing baseball tournament. Um, we'll have more in the lodge at Beaver Blitz. I'm sure. Remember and checking that out. That's all. Stay tuned. Beaver Blitz.
0: Damn podcast coming back next week after the, after the back 12 baseball tournament. Thanks for joining us. And we will talk to you later.